is that they walk away from the experience with the phrase, notice without judgment. Because we say that over and over and over again when we're doing EMDR. If you've enjoyed our episode or the content that we provide on The Universe Is Your Therapist, check out our signature program, The Whole Health Lab. In The Whole Health Lab, we walk you through healing from trauma physically, emotionally, and spiritually. If you're wondering if you have trauma, go to mendingtrauma.com slash quiz, take our quiz, and you'll be able to determine if trauma is affecting your life. If it is, and you find that you want to go further, we would love to be your guides as you recover from trauma. Hi, welcome back to another episode of The Universe Is Your Therapist. We are so excited to really start off um, kind of our holiday season episodes Um, and all of the challenges and all of the wonderful things that happen during the holiday season. So today's episode is how to deal with a problematic family member. Um, It's something I think everyone in the universe (laughs) experiences. (laughs) Yep. I was thinking about that, Amy, when we were talking about it and how um, so many of us came from having relational trauma in our childhood. Not all of us did, but so many of us did. And that um, if we think about how Um, The dynamics of a family can contribute to trauma for children. And we recognize that those dynamics can be really difficult to navigate and break when we're on our own healing journey. I, I think that this episode is just a great one to help people and guide them through the idea of both and like I can I can love my family members and I can also um, have limited exposure when it's disturbing or I can love my family members and appreciate them and I can have boundaries with them that sort of thing that's hard to do yeah I love that the both and and you know full disclosure of course we've had problematic family members and Lena and I um define that differently. And our relationship with people in our family is different. And so one person who may be very hard for me is not hard for her. And um, that's the both the beauty and the challenge of the family dynamics. So we yeah. come to this episode really humbly um, with our own experiences and our own um, ways that we have navigated through this and as well as our expertise on the subject. So I'm excited to dive in. Me too. And I think that's a great explanation. The other thing that can happen, um, and it's pretty universal, is that when we've had um, relationship uh, trauma in our childhood or when there's been um, chaos in our childhood because of mental illness or addiction or uh, raging, then what tends to happen is that coalitions form in the family. And so then you have, as adults, you have, you go to lunch with your sister and your sister wants to talk about the past from her lens and it's not the way you see it. Or you have a very different perception of what happened with your parents and your sister or brother doesn't. And so 
that's where the past, the unresolved trauma comes in and interferes with our current relationships. And our goal in our program is always to help people with what's happening currently so that they can continue to move forward and heal and find peace and joy. Yeah. And I think the other issue that comes up is not simply um, different perspectives of the event, but also there are people who have chosen not to move forward and progress and change. And so they haven't addressed their problematic behavior. So you have someone in an active addiction or you have someone who is actively raging. And so it's not simply the memories. And we can talk about memory and trauma in a minute because, you know, I just finished that book about memory and trauma and that's, oh, it's so interesting, but really it's, it's a whole range of problems. It can be different memories of what happened. It can be active problems. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what what other things constitute a problematic relationship, would you say? Well, I think one thing that can happen is that despite their best efforts, parents can treat children differently. And um, everybody knows that we're not supposed to have favorites. And I think if you have been on your own healing journey, that's easier to avoid as a parent. But each child gets treated slightly differently by the parents. And so then what one child experiences is totally different than another child. And, and then um, that dynamic can continue into adulthood, and so then you have a family member who is talking about how their parent is behaving now, and one of the siblings may not experience that at all, and the other sibling may totally experience it. And so then you have these different real-life, real-accurate experiences that don't match up. And then that's hard when you're um, trying to figure out how to get along in the present. Oh, that's such a great point. Um, I wanted to address trauma and memory super quick in this conversation because it's so fresh on my mind. And a lot of our adult issues are from um, earlier traumas. And the thing that really s keeps sticking out in my mind um, about um, the book I just read, Trauma and Memory by uh, Peter Levine, um, is that each time you retell the story, the, the memory actually shifts in the brain. And so there is no such thing as a 100% accurate memory because the act of remembering actually shifts the memory. Isn't that That's interesting? So fascinating. So yeah. it, that, it's not an argument saying that what you think happened didn't happen at all. It's, it's um, research that shows that what happens in the brain is as our memory changes over time and details come into our mind that may not have earlier, or we forget things that we remembered earlier, and that when we are only relying on our memory, that can be, I don't want to say problematic because it's really important, but I guess what I'm... I guess what I want our listeners to understand is each person comes to a relationship with their own memory consolidation and the memory consolidation is always shifting and changing 
each time you retell the story or each time you go back to the memory. That is so valuable because that's where a lot of family conflict occurs is that you will, um, you will be in a family constellation of some type in your current life. And we can start arguing about what really happened. And if we understand that the memory consolidation has so much to do with how things shift, we don't need we don't need everybody to have the same memory. What we need to be able to talk about is I experienced it this way and it left me feeling like this. Exactly. And I think what I really want to drive home in this particular conversation is two things. One, none of our memories are a hundred percent accurate. And two, every memory is valid in some way, because even though it's not a hundred percent accurate, it still affects us. And so if we can approach our current family relationships or the problematic family member, knowing that we're, we're going to have completely different perspectives about the exact same event, but that does not discount the weight of the event. And that does not discount how it affects us currently. For me, it helps me validate another person's perspective more easily because that is literally how they remember it. It's not that they're disagreeing with me. It's not that they are in denial. It's that they have a different memory consolidation process. So every memory can be real enough. It can be okay. We don't have to judge it. We don't have to determine if it's valid or not, because it's ours. Yeah. I love the word. I love how you used. we don't have to judge it um, because that is present in a lot of problematic family relationships. I mean, people don't even realize that it's present, but, um, but when relationships have been chaotic The brain uses a lot of judgment to try to keep ourselves safe physically and emotionally. And so one of the things that I've seen recently in um, some of the coaching clients that I've done EMDR with is that they walk away from the experience with the phrase notice without judgment, because we say that over and over and over again when we're doing EMDR and they end up using it in their regular life with their familial relationships. And one of my clients a few months ago said to me, it's totally changed my relationship with my family. In fact, one of my family members said, you seem so much calmer. And he said, it's because he explained to her, he said, it's because I'm noticing without judgment. That's so awesome. So let's mm-hmm. let's dive into that particular part of the conversation, which is how do you, in real life, real time right now, how do you deal with a problematic family member? So you notice without judgment. So are you noticing mm-hmm. your thoughts without judgment or are you noticing their behavior yep. without judgment or both? <laughs> yep. And then I think a lot about um, families, our own family and then families that I work with in the past. And um, what what can happen is that we end up um, using 
um, labels when we're talking about the past or our, our relationships with family members. And the labels end up being very, very um, triggering for people. So if I say to you, Susie Q was always mean, okay? And your ex- experience of Susie Q was that once in a while they were crabby, then you and I are going to argue about whether or not Susie Q was mean. Instead of saying, instead of me saying, oh, that's interesting. My experience was more about her being crabby sometimes. So we both are allowed to have our own experience. Okay. So when dealing with a problematic family member, it's important to just allow for the possibility that their experience is simply as valid as yours. Yes. As different as it is. And so here's a question. Let's say the problematic family member is in conversation with you. So let's Mm -hmm. say you and I um, have a really problematic relationship and your behavior currently is either passive aggressive or it's abusive or how do I deal with that? So we're not talking about past tense. We're talking about this person has not changed their behavior because that's really more the norm. That's true. Yeah, that's accurate. I think the way I think about it visually is that when you're dealing with somebody who is um, still struggling in their own journey because they haven't gone as far in their healing, I think about it like they're trying to hand you a load of poop. They're (laughs) handing you a load of poop. Okay. (laughs) And it's up to me whether or not I take the load of poop. So how do you and not take the, the load is. of poop? The, the best way I know is, is a, a couple of productive ber- verbal responses. So, and you have to be genuine in this. It doesn't work if you're being sarcastic or if you're being dismissive. But one thing that's very helpful is to say to somebody who's really activated and behaving in a way that's unpleasant or even harmful um, is to say, well, you might be right. And that's it. So if they're like abusive to you, like um, you're, this dinner is terrible. You just say, you might be right. right. Yeah. Wow. That that's takes it. a lot of humility. And oh my goodness, there's everything in my body is like, do not say that. <laughs> yeah. Because it's yeah. not protective. Let me say, no. And, and in our perception, it may be completely false. But if the goal is to have more pleasant interactions, if the goal is not to win, then we have to engage verbally differently. And so that's one really effective verbal tool to use. Another one is, and I think people are going to get a laugh out of this. Um, I was somewhere a few years ago and uh, I was with a friend and then another friend came up and started talking. And this friend was talking about, so let's say friend A is Susie. Okay. And so Susie was talking about some of the health problems they had and friend C was trying to be really helpful to Susie. And so was saying to Susie, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? And I know and love both of these people. And um, I could tell that Susie was not really enjoying it. And so finally Susie said, you really want me to feel better, don't you? 
instead of saying to uh, friend C, look, I've tried all this stuff. Mind your own business. Susie was able to say, oh, you're really interested in um, what the things that I've tried to feel better. And that's it. That's all she said. And then, and then friend C kind of was taken aback, not because it was rude, but because she was like, oh, yeah, I am. And then Susie said to the friend, I really appreciate that. And um, it's, it's not super helpful for me to go over it right now, but I really appreciate your concern. That is lovely because that is the true motivation when people are trying to fix us. Yes. Right. That they, it's either control or they love us. Yes. And, or both. Yes. Oftentimes (laughs) both. You know, there are plenty of people who are controlling who also love us. Yeah. So that is, that is really interesting. You said something a few minutes ago that I wanted to circle back to real quick. Um, You said, if the goal is pleasant conversation and um, something else instead of winning. Yeah. And I want to circle back to that. What, what it made me realize is that a lot of times in my conversations with family members, the goal has been the truth. Yes. Right. And there is something in my brain that just loves, loves, loves the truth. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's no such thing as truth. Yeah. (laughs) But I particularly like my version of the truth. (laughs) Right. Yes, of course. So I've never thought of it in terms of winning or something like that, but when you're trying to get to truth, capital T in a relationship, I'm not talking about science. I'm not talking about the news. I'm talking about in a relationship dynamic, capital T truth can be fuzzy at times. Yes. Yes. It does come across as trying to win. Yes. And that will never, ever, ever work. You walk away from the interchange more. Yep. You walk away from the interchange more uh, damaged and more distressed. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about problematic um, memories. We've talked about problematic current situations. So you've named a few phrases. Can you repeat the phrases for our listeners so they kind of have it fresh in their mind? Sure. Yeah. So one, um, one phrase, and again, this has to be done genuinely. It can't be done snarky or passive aggressive or dismissively. So one phrase is you could be right, or you might be right. Um, it's really effective with bullies of any age because it totally takes them aback and, and their brain like pauses. And so that can be very effective. You just don't say anything else except that. And then you wait for the other person to respond. And one thing that we do is we, we use some tools and then we keep going on and on and on. And that is not going to work because we keep arguing the same points for decades and um, nothing gets done except for harm to the relationship. So that's a super important and effective tool. Okay. What's another phrase? The other phrase is, um, wow, you are really interested in having me be in charge of the PTA brunch on Tuesday. So I'm saying no to the brunch. And the person's like, but you've got to do it because no one else is doing it. Oh, wow. You really want me to be in charge of it. That's it. 
let's say you have a sibling who um, uh, asks for a lot of favors or help and doesn't like to hear no for an answer. So let's say um, my sibling, Joe Bob, is um, always wanting to borrow money. Oh, actually, we have a... And we brother, do have a sibling named Joe. Named Joe. But not, okay. not Joe Bob. Not Joe Bob. <laughs> we have a lot of siblings. <laughs> and actually, Joe Bob does not ask to borrow money. <laughs> but let's, I, Ever. I, this is something I hear all the time um, when, when I work with families. So Joe Bob is, is pretty consistently asking me to borrow money. And, um, and so he says to me, but, but I only need it. I only need a hundred bucks. Now the tendency is for me to say, but you never pay me back. That's not helpful in establishing boundaries. So instead I'm going to say, I can see that you're really stressed and you really need the hundred dollars. And right now I'm not able to do that, but why not? I'm really desperate. You really need to help me out. You always have before. I know I have always helped you out before and I wish I could now, but I can't do it. And they'll keep pushing. One of my clients said to me a few months ago, the thing about being a people pleaser is when you stop pleasing people, they get really pissed. (laughs) Yes. That was so great. true. Yeah. True. True that. So, so being able to, I call it repetition, like a broken record repetition, but you have to do it calmly and kindly. And I also call it um, not over talking about what you're setting the boundary for. So those things can be helpful too. Love that. I love it. Thank you. Okay. And what we've seen in our program, the whole health lab is that we have, of course, as we know, trauma often happens in childhood, but it can also happen in adulthood. But the majority of trauma that we see, I would say, is from younger years. Um, Actually, it's probably about half and half. But what we see in our clients is that the past trauma is still affecting their relationships. And that's where we see conflict in relationships. Um, And so one of the things that we've done in the program is, of course, EMDR, which we have an episode um, on EMDR to help people with the past trauma so that then their, their brain can heal a little bit. And that obviously changes everything, including your relationship dynamics. What are some other things we um, do in the program for people with conflict and relationships? Um, I think one thing that we do is we, uh, we provide a community where there's a lot of validation and people can get really mixed up about validation. Validation isn't that I agree with you. Validation is I understand where you're coming from. We don't need to argue with people's version of things. And what the community does in our program is it really helps people to feel heard and listened to and seen. You were talking about validation. And I think we don't need agreement to validate. And I love that we do that in the whole health lab. We um, get together once a week for community connection. And sometimes we talk about what's going on in the past, but almost never. It's almost what's going on right now because trauma, unresolved trauma deeply affects the relationships that we have right now because it actually alters our perspectives on the world. 
And you cannot have an altered perspective of the world from trauma and not have it affect your current relationships. It's impossible. Yeah. Last night's community connection was really fun. We talked about Halloween and we talked about people like we have a couple school teachers and what they were going to wear for their class. And yeah, it's just a really great place to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, anyways, we are really, that's what we deal with right now in our program is helping people with their current issues or symptoms. We like to call them symptoms because they Mm -hmm. are symptoms of unresolved trauma. But one of the biggest symptoms of unresolved trauma is conflict in relationships. And so for our listeners, we really want to have you um, set up well for the holiday season so that you have these key phrases, so that you have some tools in your tool belt, so that as you go into the holiday season, you're able to navigate those relationships. Well said, sister. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sister. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Universe is Your Therapist this week. If you have any questions or are looking for more information, you can find us at Mending Trauma on Instagram, as well as MendingTrauma.com, our website. And if you're enjoying our content, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We'll see you all next week.